0: It's time for Black and White, a show that wants to bring all of us together talking again. It's time to hear from people who only want to deal with facts. It's time for you to re-engage in America. It's time for Dan and Daryl. Welcome back. Joining us today is a very special guest, very timely, Alan Parker, who is the president of the Justice Foundation. And more important, not that that's not an important job, but more important is that He filed some of the original briefs in Roe versus Wade. So it's an honor and a pleasure to have you here. Welcome to Black and White. Thank you. And I I do want to just say, I filed the briefs to
1: overturn Roe v. Wade starting in 2000s when I represented Norma and Sandra, the Roe of Roe v. Wade and the Doe of Dobie Bolton. But I wasn't in the original way back in 1973. But we've tried to reverse that original case uh, acting on behalf of Norma McCorvey, who was the Roe of Roe v. Wade.
0: So if I might, um, there's been a tremendous amount of of misrepresentation on the part of the left as a result of this ruling. And I thought I would just throw out a series of questions and give you an opportunity to help educate my audience and the rest of America. Question number one, the left says that it was a constitutional right to have an abortion. Um, I don't believe that's true. So who's right, the left or me?
1: Well, I think you're absolutely right. And I would say Justice Alito is right, who makes that exact same point in the Dobbs case, which came out on Friday, reversing Roe v. Wade, which was just an opinion of the Supreme Court. And opinions of the Supreme Court are not the Constitution. The court has reversed itself over 200 times in our history. They're just men. They do their best. They're very intelligent, well-educated, but they're not infallible. And as they make clear in this decision, there is absolutely no right to abortion in the Constitution, no mention of the word abortion, and no history of abortion until about 1968 in America. Uh, and so the, that the reason that's important, when you have a judge who's following the Constitution, it's a written document, and a true judge should follow the written meaning as adopted by the people at the time it was adopted, that gives us the legitimacy of being a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. But if a judge says, and some of them have written this, I call these usurping judges, the liberals, the left as you call them, they say the constitution means what we say it means. And because we're enlightened individuals and we know best, We'll make the Constitution say what we want it to mean. That is actually an oligopoly, where you are ruled by a few people rather than a government of the people by the people. So you're absolutely right. And I urge people to read the opinion for themselves. You can find it on the web, many places. He documents it extensively, all of the error and the bad history and some outright Misleading statements in the original Roe v. Wade decision.
0: So, well, Alan, let me ask you uh, a question. Um, I have not been able to read the, I guess it's a 59 or 60-some page document yet. How close does the final opinion parry against Judge Alito's draft?
1: Well, I'm happy to say that the intimidation tactic of leaking the document did not appear to weaken it at all. If anything, it strengthened the document. Most of it is exactly the same. He did put a few responses to John Roberts concurrence and uh, some responses to the the three dissenters. So if you remember the leak was when he just wrote his own opinion, and that was circulated. And then other judges will say, well, this is what I'm going to write. So he didn't really change a thing. He just added some responses to the critiques of the other judges.
0: So, so Alan, um, I, I'm not an attorney. I, I, I didn't play one on television. I'm a, what I call as a practicing attorney is as I practice to try and figure out what the hell's going on. But I want to ask you this. It, it seems to me, now I, I've had in my career opportunity to talk to m- many people of your caliber uh, about the court and over the years. And, and um, there was a, a, an attorney who had was quite prominent that I interviewed, and, and he talked to me about one of the secrets of the court and I was thrilled what is the secret he said most americans the vast majority of americans do not understand the protocol of what happens in the court i said okay i'll i'll agree with that i don't he said typically what happens is that when a when the court decides it's going to take a case the clerks compile a great deal of evidence for and against circulated to the nine justices, so that when they go into the, quote, public hearing, they've already been briefed with a lot of information that has already begun the process for them to formulate their opinion. Then you have the testimony, and he told me that within days after the public testimony, the justices meet in the conference room and take a preliminary vote. And more often than not, the preliminary vote that's taken just days after the oral arguments is the final outcome. There may be nuances in what it said, but the vote's already known. And
1: and that is exactly accurate. In addition to the clerks, in this case, Dobbs, and in every case, they have the briefing of the parties and amicus curiae, or friend of the court parties, and in this case, there were 80 briefs on the pro-life side compared to 40 on the pro-abortion side. It's the first time the pro-life side has so massively outnumbered in the number of arguments and the pages of writing, uh, the pro-death side, as I call it.
0: Alan, I I, I really need to ask this following question. Um, I, I'm... I'm an author. I've written several historical novels. Uh, I've got a new one coming out about Lincoln. Um, but I, I I look at what's going on and, and and I look at the protocols as we just discussed and what's going on in the court. I don't remember a time that there was that there were threats against justices if they didn't rule the way the the, in this case, the left wanted them two. Um, this is a, to me, a genuine attack on the third branch of the government. Um, that great pundit of the law, Barbara Streisand said over the weekend that um, the justices of the court, the Republican justices of the court are the new American Taliban. And um, I've never seen the court under such attack. As they are today, uh, not that there probably haven't been situations, but we had um, one justice who was life was threatened outside his home, uh, and and we had the chief law enforcement officer in the gun in the government, uh, Merrick Garland, the the attorney general, did not enforce the rules of the law that was passed to protect them and their families, um, so what the hell's going on in our country?
1: Well, if the liberals had any sense of equal justice under the law, they who want to prosecute the people who showed up on January 6th for an insurrection, they should want to, uh, they should want to prosecute the people who showed up in front of the Supreme Court and the justices' homes for an insurrection. I don't believe it either actually counts as an insurrection. But it is an obstruction of justice, which is a federal crime to Mm -hmm. try to intimidate a federal judge into giving the result you want. Imagine how many times in a criminal case, judges could be threatened by gangs and other people who are doing terrible things uh, with murder and threats if we don't protect the judges. And so it is a terrible thing that's happened. It is a sign of the deep, dark division and I believe that part of that is because we've been shedding innocent blood on such a vast scale. A uh, bloodshed begets bloodshed. Uh, you sow what you reap is another way of saying that. Uh, and in 1970, in 1962, we actually took God out of the public schools in America. And uh, today, as we're talking, we not only have the reversal of Roe v Wade, but we have the reversal of the voluntary school prayer case. A P- coach Joe Kennedy was fired for praying just by himself on the football field because he was a coach and taken a knee, which many people have done in this country on football fields. He was fired for it. The Supreme Court said, no, you can't do that. But I believe in 1962, they took God out of the schools And we began to see bloodshed in the schools in 99 in Columbine, and we began to see shootings across the country. But I believe that partly, and I'm going to say this carefully, just think about this. God sees the killing of innocent children every day in abortion clinics across America. He knows that these are children made in the image of God, and they're being destroyed. And the Supreme Court has admitted that abortion is the taking of an infant life and it has devastating psychological consequences. And today there's a better alternative for women to be free of the burden of parenting without killing the child and injuring themselves. I represented 2,249 women in amicus curiae briefs in this case, who had had abortions, but who asked the court please stop a killing of children we did it it made us feel like murderers we had nightmares suicide attempts suicide for some of them who others tell their stories um substance abuse depression anxiety nightmares feeling like a murderer feeling unworthy allowing men to abuse them because they felt worthless so I believe in our briefs on behalf of the moral outcry and the thousands of women hurt by abortion, we urged the court, this is a crime against humanity like slavery and segregation. And they mentioned that in the opinion and say abortion is as bad as segregation. And then they said, we said safe haven law gives women a better chance. And footnote 45 mentions the safe haven. So what does that mean? Most people have never heard this law before, but it's in all 50 states. No matter where you live, if you live in a state that bans abortion today, you do not have to parent a child. You have to carry the child. We're going to take killing the child off the table because it's killing a child and it injures women. But give us your child through the safe haven law. You can drop your child off at a hospital or fire station within a certain period of time after birth and be free of all burden of parenting without killing the child and hurting yourself. So in exchange for a few months of pregnancy, which is serious, we're giving women 18 years of freedom from the burden of parenting and the expense. And Justice Barris mentioned that in the oral argument. So I believe we're gonna see an end of the abortion wars. I believe and God is gracious and is giving us a chance. All our arguments are based on science and law, but just as the abolitionists of slavery were Christians, Just as Reverend Martin Luther King was a Christian, I think many Christians have led the way because we want to choose life rather than death.
0: We have to take a break, but before we do that, can you tell us how we can follow you and your your organization? Thank you.
1: The best website is thejusticefoundation.org, and all of our material is there, and it's all free, available to you at no charge. We're a nonprofit public interest. Litigation Foundation at
0: thejusticefoundation.org. We'll be right back with Alan with more on this important issue. We'll be right back. Moms across America and the Ashbrook Center wants you and your family and friends to participate in their program called Food for Body and Soul, an educational program designed to provide information and education on the founding documents of our country. If you go to GetMyConstitution.com, you'll get a free copy of the book of the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and many other important documents that were used in the founding of our country. Spend time with your children reading the booklet and talking to them about what you believe to help build their foundation. So go to GetMyConstitution.com and get your free book. Welcome back. And we're having a fascinating conversation about not only Roe v. Wade, but um, other things in the law. I want to ask you uh, to start off this new section. I want to ask, we're speaking with Alan Parker, who is the president of the Justice Foundation. Alan, is the the violent reaction to the the decision of the court, a function of a decline in the respect for law as manifested by the respect for the decline in the police officers? I think that that is definitely part
1: of it. Uh, We're beginning to age, uh, live in an age of lawlessness where there is no respect for authority in many areas of life and respect, we live in a culture where people just want their own way. So I agree with you 100%. I will say this underlying thing that might not be as obvious, but I believe that part of the great anger on the other side on the abortion issue is a suppression of the conscience by people who have participated in an abortion and don't want to hear that it was a wrong thing to do. Yeah. Uh, they feel judged. They feel condemned. And <clears throat> I'll, I'll give you a brief history, a little bit about uh, one of the founders of NOW. She was a woman who was married and had five children. Her husband divorced her. Then she was pregnant with her six. She had five children. She didn't know what to do. And she had an abortion. And she felt terrible about it until someone told her that it was her right to have an abortion, and she became inflamed with righteousness. Her name was Kate Michaelman, and she founded National Organization of Women. So you either have to defend and rationalize this taking of the human life, or you have to come in humility, I believe, to an almighty God who created all of us and say, oh my God, what have I done? And I represent thousands of women. Uh, We gave the Supreme Court of the United States 4,725 sworn affidavits or declarations under penalty of perjury in this Dobbs case. And uh, the court was moved by this, particularly in other cases, they actually wrote that they've been moved. So I believe part of this anger is an attempt to suppress the conscience and justify one's actions. And let me say this, I represent thousands of women like Kate Michaelman, who had some pretty good reasons, in a sense, to need help. If your husband abandoned you with five children, you're going to feel lost and alone. And I ask women who've been hurt by men to forgive us as men. And I often apologize for the things that men have done to women in this country. And Ultimately, I will just say this, um, again, our evidence is scientific and legal, but I'm on our website, OperationOutcry.org, if you're a woman who's had an abortion, no, Operation Outcry is one of our sites, but you can get to all this through Justice Foundation, but on there, click on Operation Outcry. If, you're, if you've had an abortion and you want the court and legislatures to know how much abortion hurts you, you can give us your testimony We're going to collect these for all the state battles that go on now. We'll give your testimony while protecting your identity to courts and legislatures like we did to the court. So if you know the truth and you're ready to tell the truth, go to our website and give us your testimony. If you still need help and healing, there's been an explosion of abortion recovery programs across the country women have had to find healing for themselves, because psychologists and, and counselors would tell them, when they say, I feel terrible about my abortion, don't do that, don't say that, you did the right thing, you had to do it, because the counselors have participated in it, it it's, uh, and normally, counselors would tell you, you never say anything like that to a client, but because you get that kind of reaction when you see counseling, causes complicated grief, and all of other things, so, we have those resources free available on our website as well. So I urge women to go there.
0: Amazing. Absolutely amazing. So um, let's, uh, in the time that we have left, let's talk about what's likely to happen going forward. What's your, what's your crystal ball tell you?
1: Well, one reason I'd like everybody to sign the Moral Outcry petition is there's going to be intense battles in every state. I happen to live in Texas and we have banned abortion already. But the other side will come to the legislature screaming and yelling, perhaps, and saying, We have to have abortions. But I'll say, I live in Texas. This is uh, June 27th. And since September 1st of last year, we've had a law banning abortion after six weeks when there's a heartbeat detectable by sonogram and the sky has not fallen. Now, women can, women haven't been told about the safe haven law by the abortion industry or the media. I've told the New York Times and the Washington Post to their reporters, you know, you guys need to be mentioning. You're always telling what will happen when Roe is reversed. And one of the things is no woman will have to parent a child if she doesn't want to. And they can't deny that, but they don't like to print it. So I believe every state, if you sign the petition, You'll join the Army of Justice. We're going to mobilize women who've been hurt by abortion to tell their stories and all of us to pray and advocate. I'd like to just tell your people the big three reasons they ought to be using with their friends right now. Everybody in America is going to have a discussion. I had one with a bus driver on Saturday uh, when we were on the bus. Okay, what do you think of Dobbs? What do you think of reverse Roe v. Wade? Get their people. We'll say, Abortion is a crime against humanity. It's killing an infant life. That's pretty bad, but you must want to help women. And that's an understandable, compassionate thing, but women are hurt by abortion. Even Justice Ginsburg in Gonzalez v. Harcourt agreed that abortion was a difficult and painful decision. Why is it difficult? Why is it painful? No woman feels guilty about removing a wart from her face or wrinkles, or if your tonsils need to be taken out. No one feels guilty about that. Why do you feel guilty about killing a child in the womb? Because it's either a life, which I believe it is, or some will say it's potential life. So it's killing a life, it's hurting women. And today your friends may not know about the safe haven law. What would you think if we would say to the women, If you can't take care of that baby, we'll take care, we will give that baby to us. And then the last argument is what will happen to those babies? Are they gonna be in foster care? No, every year there are one to 2 million women waiting desperately to adopt newborn children. Partly because between the ages of 15 and 44, there are 6 million women who can't have a baby after a year of trying, that's called infertility. So 6 million women are infertile. After a few years of trying, one to 2 million of them say, I would love to be the mother of a baby. So this is the love, love, love solution, Bill. I just kind of wrap it up so your audience members remember it. It's killing human being, it's hurting women, and there's a better alternative through the safe haven law. That's pretty simple, and I think once people get their minds wrapped around it, we'll be able within five to seven years to ban abortion in most states.
0: So I I wanna pursue just a little bit of direction change in in the time we have left. Um, Black people represent about 13% of the United States population, but over 50% of all the abortions that take place in the United States. And we have a situation where uh, I believe that Planned Parenthood, which has placed a significant number of their facilities in the inner city in Black neighborhoods, have convinced Black women that it's it's not killing uh, a a baby. It's basically uh, reproductive freedom. And this change in the law Or change in what we're going to do simply because black women have such a huge percentage of the number of abortions that take place isn't it going to affect what's happening to black women in the inner city in major cities
1: well you're absolutely right that abortion has had a disproportionate impact on the numbers of black americans abortion African-Americans are about a third of the population, about 11% of the population, but they have had 33% of all abortions are performed on them. So in my opinion, Planned Parenthood is the most effective racist organization in America. It kills more black children than any KK group ever dreamed of. And that their founder Margaret Sanger was racist. So they have a history of racism and they've admitted that in the New York Times this year. They disproportionately kill black children and they admit that. And then their own employees in the New York Times this year accused them of being racist today in their employee practices and everything. So um, I was with a black woman this morning who said that she hoped and prayed that this disproportionate killing, now that it would stop, would help end an end to the crisis of families and violence and bloodshed in the black community.
0: But but don't we have a problem that the Democrats, um, Alan, Democrats who are the proponents of abortion because of this new ruling, and what will happen outside of the major blue cities or they may lose voters <laughs> because they can't they can't they can't talk to the 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 black women in the inner city the way they used to be able to about reproductive freedom and everything else well i believe in the consent of the governed
1: if you think back in history the republican party of america was born to end slavery in america and right. give full rights to African Americans. So maybe there'll be a shift again as women learn about the safe haven laws, and they, which they're not, poor women are not told about it today. Instead, it's give us your money, and we, the half a billion dollar a year Planned Parenthood business, will take care of your problem for you. You'll never have to think about it again. That's a lie. Uh, but then as they learn about safe haven, even black children will be adopted. I've heard this said before, you know, well, people won't adopt black babies, but you know what? Amy Coney Barrett is a justice of the Supreme Court and she's adopted black children. This newest judge coming on when Justice Pryor retires, Katanji Brown uh, Jackson, she is in a biracial marriage. Uh, Th- Clarence Thomas uh, is in a biracial marriage. We've ended you know, that horrible kind of terrible, terrible Blacks are an inferior race, segregation, all of that has been ended as a society and in law. There are still some people who believe all of those things and evil will always persist in the heart of people. But we have advanced so much as a culture that this is a day of freedom for the African-American. And you know what? We just had Juneteenth The the celebration of the Emancipation Proclamation coming to Texas declared a federal holiday on June 21st, and three days later, we have a day that I believe will celebrate someday in history, the day that African Americans were freed from the curse of Roe v. Wade, which allowed their disproportionate slaughter by Planned Parenthood.
0: Well, we have we've been having a wonderful calm, and informative conversation with Alan Parker, who is the president of the Justice Foundation. But once again, how do people follow you and follow what's going on?
1: Thank you. They can go to thejusticefoundation.org. They can sign the moral outcry petition there. They can give us their abortion testimony or find out where they can get free abortion recovery programs. And we also have a Center Against Forced Abortion there. If you live in a state where sta- abortion is still legal, one of the reasons why abortion forces women hurts women, one of the ways it hurts women, once you make abortion legal, other people can force women to get abortions to solve their problems. Mm-hmm. The three most common are adult parents forcing a minor girl to have an abortion against her will. The second is adult man forcing a woman to abort his child because he doesn't want to be a father or pay child support. And the third is human trafficking and prostitution. Fortunately, all involuntary abortion, even in California, New York, wherever you are, is illegal. A voluntary abortion will be legal in some remaining states. Involuntary abortion is illegal. And we have legal tools like a Dear Parent Letter, Dear Father of the Child Letter. You can go to our website, the Center Against Forced Abortion, click on that and get free legal resources. We love to help people. Uh, We do it in the love of Christ. We don't condemn or judge anybody, no matter what you've done. There's healing and forgiveness. We're a Christian organization, but you don't have to be a Christian to receive the help that we give to all, regardless of their faith or denomination or lack of faith.
0: Alan Parker, thank you for joining us today on Black and White.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for what you do. My pleasure. We'll be right back.